have no idea. I thought. <laughs> but I understand. Like there were seasons of Supergirl where I'm like, I don't understand why this is my favorite. It's like because they made Monal a thing for far too long. Sorry, everyone who disagrees. It's because with Because they me. were married. I, I respect that Melissa and Chris are married in real life. They did not need. They could have written her boyfriend onto the show, but they didn't need to make him Monel. True. Because Monel was a trash man. Yes. Monel was a trash <laughs> man. Nobody agrees with me. Everyone's like, oh, it's enemies to lovers. No, it's abusive to lovers. I hated oh, it. Thank you. You know, I was holding on to a joke for Anthony because, uh, you want to hear a good vampire joke? Yes. Never mind. It sucks. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Count Von Count. <laughs> It counts. <laughs> oh my! What? Do the introduction before I lose my mind. Welcome everyone to episode number twenty-seven. This one is about horror. I scream, you scream, we all scream. <laughs> that stain. I had that thought at the same time. I was hoping. I'm like, please take the. Oh my gosh. Look at the open with your hands as you're screaming. Dear audience, we hope that everyone upstairs in the building That's why I was knows. trying to modulate my volume. Fun fact, my friends and I made a horror movie, or at least we tried to, like the summer after we graduated high school, I think. And I specifically was the first person to die because I could do like an ear-shattering scream that could be heard throughout the entire house when I quote-unquote died. So, so I was volume modulating. That. When we do that licking TikTok, that, that one TikTok we're, we're talking about, you're going to be the one to scream, right? I think it should be you. Okay. Because you triple dog dared me to, you know, we, no more hints. Okay. There's licking, there's screaming. It's. Why is that appropriate? Grant, what are you reading? Uh, what am I reading? Um, I'm actually <laughs> listening to something. Uh-oh. Um, oh. In honor of the spooky season, I'm listening to um, Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum. Um, okay. It's, it's, uh... Is he going to catch them all? It's, <laughs> yes, exactly. He is. I'm and they do what? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, kind of, uh, it's based, it, not, it's not based, it's loosely inspired by a true story. Um, he kind of turned it into his own yeah. scenario. Um, I literally just started it, but it kind of has a reputation as being particularly grisly, so. Oh, nice. We'll see how it goes. All righty. Which way? Doesn't matter. Aaron, what are you reading? Um, so I'm not reading anything currently because I was trying to read my motherboard manual to try to change my PC case. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> that's reading. That's reading. It's not and that's a whole other story all in itself, listeners. But, um, in terms of playing, because I am playing things, in terms yeah. of spooky season... Yeah. Um, I have the whole entire Resident Evil series downloaded to my computer right now. Ooh. Nice. And so we're starting with zero and we're working our way back. I mean, forward. Nice. Um, so that's fun. And then I'm also playing uh, Metro 2033, which is the first one of the Metro series. Mm-hmm. And while it might not seem very scary, there are moments where you're sitting there going, I need to take a break. This is this is too much jump scare for me today. And then you need to sit down mm-hmm. afterwards. So um, that's what I'm playing. Anthony, what are you reading? Um, I'm so ecstatic with what I'm reading right now. I am reading... The first of Terry Pratchett's Tiffany Aching series. It is called The We Free Men. You know, I don't know how Terry Pratchett fans didn't revolt when Harry Potter became popular because this man, as a fantasist, line for line, precept upon precept, beasts on any sentence in Harry Potter. And this, I'm saying this is a Harry Potter fan, okay? I love it, it's great. But he should have been the phenomenon alongside her, if need be. You know that none of us read Harry Potter on the sentence level at, like, age eight, right? I understand that. And eight-year-olds didn't make it a phenomenon. Their parents did. Let's be real. You're talking about the I'm just saying Color of Magic, right? No, The Color of Magic was his first, like, in the 80s adult series. But Tiffany Aching was... Tiffany Aching came along later, like, early 2000s, and I think it was his second Young People series, but it's fantastic, really good, super smart. Oh, he's the Good Omens guy. Uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is one of the Good Omens team. So, you know, he he was he was the best-selling uh, novelist in Britain, period, before Harry Potter happened, so he certainly did well. He was fine, but... You know, on that note, as someone who hasn't watched the show yet for Good Omens, um, if they don't have the naming of the dog scene in the show, 
I will write hate mail. I mean, I'm pretty sure Neil would have hurt himself if he didn't include pivotal things because it was his. He literally looked at Terry in the face before Terry died and said, "I'll take care of everything. It's fine." And the only reason it's a show is because he got everything that Terry like actually wanted. Yeah. Um, before signing on, so you know, there is that. Okay. Jen, what are you, what are you reading? reading? Okay, I'm only like 20 pages into my current book, so I'm going to give a brief shout-out to the book I just finished because I was telling all of you guys about it anyways, and I finished okay. it, and it was just as great as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Yes. Volume. Sorry. Anthony just checked anyways, out the book, guys. <laughs> it's called Vespertine by Margaret Rogerson. Oh, yeah. Okay. I saw it build on Twitter. Thank you, E.K. Johnston, as Venom with a Nun. And I assure oh, you that that yes, is the exact plot line. <laughs> it is fantastic. The Revenant <laughs> is my favorite character of all time now. I added it to my wish list yes. because Jen kept waxing poetic about that. I book. want this thing to be the next Mortal Instruments, you guys. I want this to take off. Which is why I checked it out this morning, because I was like, excuse me? Okay. So need, I'll check it out next. <laughs> need to read this. It's just a very... I love that this story is basically the main character learning to accept friendship and kindness. It's fantastic. Anyways, the book I just started is In the Wild Light by Jeff Zentner. I'm, again, only like 20 pages in, but Jeff Zentner's writing from the one book I read previously remains enjoyable. Hi, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) We're friends on Facebook. I'm in your Game of Thrones hate group that became a not Game of Thrones hate group. But anyway, hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. (laughs) Hi, Jeff. I don't know who you you are, but... Andy Stern, he's an author. I am continuing my deep dive into audiobooks by, uh, books by, or narration by authors, and my latest is Malcolm Gladwell's The Bomber Mafia, talking about the, uh, rise of... mm -hmm. Right. ...and prominence of bombers to warfare during that time frame. Mm. That's the one with the blue cover and then, like, the plane. The plane, yes. Yes, it's pretty cool. I processed it, that's what It's... It's fascinating. I'm not, like, necessarily, like, a history nut, so I'm not, like, you know, I, I can't, it's not like I'm, if I get home get home and listen to it, that's great. If I forget to, they would be like, whatever, I'm not dying to finish it, but it's it's okay. And, but the narration is really good, and they're using really, they're using uh, radio, um, radio clips, or they're using little music and even sound effects, um, and I'm usually kind of weary of that, but it's to kind of good effect. It's making me... I feel like the best, not that I was alive during the time, obviously, um, but I feel like I'm watching a newsreel, as if I was in like a 1940s movie theater, as a newsreel was going on. It has a good uh, acoustic aesthetic to it, and I'm really kind of digging it, at least to that end. So as an audiobook, its performance value is pretty high. Um, Next week you come in like, the film strip melted! Oh my god. (laughs) So what's today's topic? We kind of said it already. We did? Reiterate it for us, Aaron. Yeah. (laughs) It's a scary thing. (laughs) Horror fiction in general, in particular, right? In general, yeah. Horror fiction, horror Literature fiction, or... Things that make us scared. Are we going with movies, too? I feel like we probably have to. Yeah, like that. Little hops. Maybe, I suppose. Yes. That could be a little couple of you Ooh. All right, Grant. As the resident expert. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting flashbacks to an episode we did last year. I, I, and you did just fine. Oh, Ian Reed uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Yes, yeah. and that yes, was actually, that was that was actually earlier this year. <laughs> oh my it gosh. just feels like six years uh, ago. Yeah. So, Grant. Yeah. What is 2021? What, in your experience and estimation, would you define as a horror novel? <sighs> I feel like um, I start big. What, yeah, yeah I would definition. say. Is this like what is art again? No. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try. <laughs> I don't to, think try it's to okay. on the tracks. I don't think it's you know? that. Broad. We have five no, minutes I, I, to discuss <laughs> the definition of horror. Okay. At which point the microphone gets I cut would, off until we move on. Oh, Google. <laughs> I would, oh, sorry. Google, you're welcome. That's what I did for art. I want to know what Grant thinks. Okay, yeah, Grant's definition, and then Aaron can read us what she found in the dictionary. I guess you're welcome. A piece of writing that is specifically designed to. To, to like elicit either fear or discomfiture or mm-hmm. I don't know and it, it, it is a very 
I hate, I hate genres to begin with, so it's a very, it's a very broad. <laughs> I feel like we need to unpack that later. No, no, no. <laughs> I have been because things can have horror elements, but I'm, are you going to call it a straight say, up horror novel? I do novel? have questions. Yeah. Like, just not to get super off track here, but a question I was going to spring later. Okay, literally the book I just read that I just raved about is Venom with a Nun. Mm-hmm. Is that not? horror elements at yeah, play, yeah. even though the book did not really terrify me at any given point. Yeah, and I, I would say if it's a horror novel, that its main goal... Like it's, it, it's yeah, I would not call it a horror novel because it was not yeah. set out to terrify me. Yeah. But, like, yeah. you watch Revenants destroying things a lot of times in this novel. <laughs> yeah, that's... I horror, Yeah. Horror elements is a big one because I think a lot of people use or have utilized horror elements in... In the same capacity that people have utilized fantasy elements or science fiction elements, and they'll go, you know, just because it has a dragon in it does not make it fantasy. I mean, or it makes it bad fantasy. Um, <laughs> the same thing can be true of horror. Like, you can you can throw a monster in there, and it's like, it's horror! And it's like, the monsters went to a birthday party for another monster. That's not horror. That's just a picture book. Hey, like, scary clown. <laughs> right, like it just—it's—it. There's more. T- there's there are traditions. There are are um, compare comp titles. Things that that echo one another from across generations. That's what makes something fit within a genre more than anything else. So that you know, the reason that H.P. Lovecraft is considered a horror novelist as much as he is a fantasist is because he sits on the line with both of them. He literally yeah. played, he created an entire mythology, which is what fantasists do. And I would say, but he did it to exercise his own fears, which yeah. is what horror novelists yeah. do. I think some level, and related, okay, I read, I think, two horror novels in my entire life, so somebody else gets to correct me if I'm wrong here. Actually, I've read like three. Because oh, yay. I am a wuss. Uh, but... <laughs> My sort of conceptualization of horror, if I think about it for myself, is that the horrific elements being used are meant to make you sort of unpack something in yourself as well, unpack Mm -hmm. a bias, unpack why you think something is so spooky. It's not just, hey, it's a spooky clown, but it's why are you afraid of the spooky clown? What is the spooky clown doing? Is the spooky clown only attacking black people? H.P. Lovecraft, but... (laughs) <laughs> I mean... You could see Anthony's face. But at the same time, like, okay, I'll give an example. I went to go see the movie Us with some friends. Right. Everybody in the friends group was white except for this other person of color who was Mexican. He's like, I'm going to sit next to you. And I'm like, all right, but I have to warn you, I talk major crap during movies, no matter how good or bad they are. The entire movie, he kept turning to me and he's like... Oh my god, they're so scared right now. I was like, I know! <laughs> and we get in the car and we're like cackling because we're just like, this is hysterical. This movie's funny. The reaction to the movie is funny. And all of our friends are literally like paralyzed. They cannot speak. And the first thing they say to us is, Are you guys okay? In like a really still, quiet voice. It's like super dark outside. And, I'm, and we're just like, Yeah, go ahead, drive for the woods. We're good. And they're like, But, 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 but isn't this how you experience life? And we're like, yeah, exactly. It's hysterical. (laughs) The movie did not scare me. It still does not terrify me, despite the fact that I can watch that scene where he goes into the sunken place and realize the artistic brilliance of that, realize what terrifies people in that scene. Are you talking about us or Get Out? I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about Get Out. I'm sorry. No, Us did terrify me, but Get Out did not. And I'm just like, you know... It, the sunken place still makes me want to laugh. The very sound of the sunken place makes me want to laugh. But I know why it's terrifying. <laughs> I get it. So you We're know. media hopping. I only know scary stuff in terms of video games, so I can't talk about it. You don't watch scary movies? Uh, the only scary movie I've ever actually like watched, I've only watched two. I watched 1348, I think it is. Whichever, there's a set of numbers that like... 1408? Yeah. The Stephen King Hotel movie? Yeah. With, ah, I watched that one, and then I watched House of Wax. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. Yeah. You watched then, House of Wax? It wasn't my fault. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I watched Zombie Strippers just to see how terrible no, it my, was. No, my, my friends, you know. uh, we were stay, I was staying the night at one of their apartments, and 
they were like, we need to watch a scary movie. Let's go look on Netflix. And then the movie was on there. And I don't really care for horror movies in the first place because I play more games that are like that to get my horror kick in. And they picked it, and we were playing Cards Against Humanity. And so because I wasn't really paying attention, I didn't really watch it, but it was on in the background. And so that was fun. Sure. That is a bit interesting because I didn't think about that. We are talking briefly on uh, um, Messenger upstairs. Mm-hmm. And I'm less in, I'm, I don't read a lot of horror and obviously you pointed out the other day actually you read a bit more than probably most people do and like, but it's not the horror elements that, that attracts me it's the more fantasy elements that attracts me but then I'm more likely to read yes. a book than a movie or watch a movie and I'm more likely to play a game even though I don't play as many I, like I games are fun with, so with books I don't get as much of a horror element from them because for me like afterwards I can put it down and I can be like okay fine whatever and just like leave it and I know that it's like not scary or anything with movies there's a little bit of a difference in terms of how you feel because movies are designed to make you as the watchers feel what the characters are feeling in some way shape or form Mm -hmm. in terms of if they're feeling adrenaline you also feel adrenaline if you feel their fear you're also like sitting on the edge of your seat going oh they're really scared why are they so scared or it's right behind you towards the chainsaw man yes in, in, I love that movie. For, for, for me, in games, it more so has to deal with the fact that I get this, like, adrenaline rush as it's going on. Because I know internally that, like, there's a scary thing about to happen. So if I'm playing Resident Evil 3 and Nemesis is about to turn the corner and just start sprinting after me like the giant hulking whatever it is zombie that he is. And it's scary in PlayStation 1 version. In PlayStation... The remake version, it's even worse because he's coming at you in even more realistic 3D than it was last time. Uh, you know what, Kill? Okay. <laughs> Having played the OG of Resident Evil on PlayStation when it was yes. released, yes. and then going forward to it was on the Nintendo GameCube, they remastered, re released Resident Evil, the first. The first one, yeah. And it was still a great game, everything was improved, but the one thing that literally made me like drop the controller because I wasn't expecting it wasn't the usual scary elements, it was when that zombie on the ground that I just put down on the ground just kind of just jumped off. up and ran after me. Oh, the sprinters! I was, I was not ready for that because they weren't in the first game and I'm like, drop the controller. They were, actually, they were <laughs> in the first game. Um, uh, Grant. I did wonder. I know. I, I, I warned you. It's fine. Okay. Um, We're calling out Grant I, today, sure, everyone. Well, because he's the... Okay. Now you have read far more scary books than any person in the room. So, combined. Like eight? That's <laughs> eight. still oh, more, than more than all of us combined. Sir. Okay. I, I just, I'm just curious. Like, um, why? Why? Like, what's <laughs> the draw for you personally? Like, uh, I get the draw for other people or even me, but like, what's your particular, like... Well, I'm probably the worst person to ask about that. Grant is a spooky person extraordinaire on this podcast, so, um... Oh, I want to know. Well, because in my free time, I legitimately terrorize people. I hope And harm them. (laughs) (laughs) And I like to get inspiration. But do you Um, really not know? No, I... Okay, so... I don't know. I like... Story time. I, I actually did have something in my head and now that now that I'm being pressured it completely left. Peer <laughs> pressure. Oh god. Think for a second. Like, okay, thirty to... seconds you guys talk about something, I'll be right back. <laughs> Feel free to interrupt us. Yeah. I had that question going too, like what draws people or you to like the horror genre and the adrenaline rush? That's exactly you know, like from that's straight out of my mouth. From, from me. Great. Like, I saw the idea come Okay, to yes. I like it because <laughs> positive, it, positive, quote-unquote happy emotions are only a small fraction of the human experience, and I feel like you can okay. find out so much about people, about groups of people, societies of people, mm-hmm. by A, what they're scared of, or B, how they react to certain Ooh. situations, yep. or, um, and I just like reading or watching or whatever things that you feel like you shouldn't be watching or reading. <laughs> There's always that, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I guess that's, that's, that'll be my explanation. It's funny because I was just thinking about this in terms of horror films. There are four horror movies in particular that I have seen. And I saw them, I must have seen them all in a row. Anyway, so there's Dead Silence. Okay. Um, 
My Bloody Valentine, which actually did terrify the crap out of me. Was it the new one or the... The new one. There was one scene that I was just like, excuse me? Um, But beyond that, I was okay. But I was in a theater full of screaming black people, so that may have been my reason for also reacting like their terror seeped in. There was like a high find thing. Yeah, it really was because everyone was screaming, and suddenly I was like, ah! Even though I wasn't, I don't think I was actually that scared in retrospect. So, Dead Silence, My Bloody Valentine, um, uh, Chainsaw Massacre, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love how you're looking at me. The the one starring Jessica Alba. Okay. Um, and Hottie McCotterson, who I never can remember what his name is, but he's so fine. Let's find out. Um, and, oh gosh, what's the fourth one? Oh, um, the adaptation for The Woman in Black, which was kind of mediocre. Um, but all four of those films I think about all the time because I, watching them, I am never terrified, but I'm always riveted. I, I love the fact that you know at the beginning of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as soon, like, if you cut the credits out in the beginning, because those credits are saying, this is, this is a scary movie, this is a scary movie. If you cut that out and you just start with this big, huge, open Ohioan country field where the corn is growing and the sun is hot and this rickety old van with a bunch of young people having a party are driving down that long road and they're the only ones and suddenly there's car trouble. I was like, oh my God. What? I, like, I all, and then you see the house on the horizon that's sort of half broken down and I'm like, they're gonna die, they're gonna die. And I was like thrilled in a weird way. Like it was, I was not, scared even at moments where they sort of are engineering jump scares obviously yeah. I was just kind of like yeah I expected to jump duh or like in the woman in black that rocking chair because I had read the book so I had the whole thing impressed on my mind and I'm watching this going oh Radcliffe you've done better this movie is mediocre and I'm sitting next to my cousin in the theater and as soon as that rocking chair started she like grabs me for dear life, and as he's going down the hallway and he walks in the room, obviously, spoiler alert, there's nobody in the rocking chair, but she screams as soon as she sees it, even though you know that it's a rocking chair. And I was like, okay, sure. But I think that's my experience with them. I just, I'm not terrified by them. I'm fascinated by how the plots work to make people scream or make people feel some kind of internal something and I still don't know how it works okay that just very much side yeah. question unless you have something you want to say Andy no I, but that just gave me a you level seem pretty impassioned about this well, next question it's relating things sideways <laughs> yeah <laughs> because as more of like the romance historical sappy stuff genre connoisseur that I am mm-hmm. Verdi. <laughs> I do kind of like there are certain genres like Nicholas Sparks does not write good books. He writes books that are emotionally designed to make you sad. He's not trying to engender true emotion from you. He is very much on purpose, choosing exactly what he thinks will be the most painful thing. Is there like a horror equivalent to that of like, they're not necessarily going for a true scare, but they're like, this will be the most like scientifically driven thing to terrify you in this movie. Hmm. And is that why it falls flat for some people and not others? I think Because there are some people who think Nicholas Sparks is the greatest writer out there. I'm sorry guys. You're wrong. If you want to, I, I guess, think but. every genre has that that problem and it's just because it's bad examples of that genre. I mean if you are watching a murder mystery that is actually dumb but makes you feel smart, it's a bad murder mystery. You should not be able to guess who did it from halfway through the movie. Like, that's why Agatha Christie at times can be brilliant, and at other times you're like, girl, did you try? What were you drinking? Like, <laughs> because you know, you know exactly who it was, and then you get to the end of it, and Poirot's like, ah, I have deduced, and you're like, well, no, duh. Like, you get halfway through, and then there were none, and you're like, it's this one, and then you get to the end, and you're like, yeah, I knew this already, because it was already there. Whereas Murder on the Orient Express, you get to the end, and you're like, I could have guessed that they did it, but I didn't know why they did it. What? <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I think all genres have like the bad ones, like the bad examples of like, and jump scares. Stephen King has classically talked about how much harder it got for him to write authentic horror 
the further he got into his career because more and more movies were being made with jump scares engineered and the horror that he and his generation were raised on, even the movies did not have jump scares right. to that high of a velocity. So you actually were engendering some true fear in the in the viewer and the pressure release came right at the end where you literally set them free from the horror that you were forcing them under for an hour and a half, two You're hours. You're under that suspense, that adrenaline rush for like the yeah. whole entirety of the whole entire thing and then finally at the end they're like, hey, there you go, bye. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why the end of Carrie is genius because, I mean, he's ratcheting up the tension. He's literally making prom a living nightmare for her and then for them and all the while for you. And then she goes home and her mother, the least understanding person on the planet, is there waiting for her and she comforts her. And you're like, wait, what? Right, it's, it is the most beautiful sense of pressure release. But it's also really strange. Are you talking book or movie now? Movie. Okay. Or Wait a minute, because... <laughs> Someone dies at the end, though, and it, I can't well, remember what it... Who is it? Well, it's, it's been... A, I've, I don't know how many versions of the damn story I've seen now, but um, I feel like the mother tries to kill. The mother tries to kill Carrie. Yeah, yes. yeah. But, she, but there is a moment of comfort before the killing. Yeah, right before she stabs her in the back. Here, honey, here. Ugh. Right, but that but that is that pressure release is huge because you've never seen her do this before. Like, the whole movie, yeah. she's literally, like, haunted her child and treated her like this alien thing. So the moment that Carrie needs her to be and act like a loving mother, she is for a split second. And then it just goes right back in and then you're like, wait, what? Which is one of the reasons like the musical ends on this incredible note where, yeah, the murder happens, but this this song, like all of the teens are like singing to the ghost of Carrie in this incredibly like low tempo number in a show that's full of high octane numbers. Um, Isn't that when they killed Midge when they did Carrie the Musical during the musical episode? Thanks. It I is. Was having oh flashbacks <laughs> Andy has questions. He has flashcards. No, I, I was just looking at some. What? Um, it, well, I'm we've actually covered a couple that I like. It, one of the questions I had: What's your experience with horror? Oh. But we've all kind of dabbled <laughs> into that a little bit. I do have a question because we're leading into the movies a little bit, which is fine. But apparently, we all have more experience in that. <laughs> But what is a book? Can do you have a book that, at some point in the book, conclusion, something, some situation in the book that legitimately, that you had to close it because you're kind of feeling uncomfortable? That like, it, obviously, it didn't make you jump. Maybe. Um, the but do we have anyone have an example? I feel like you probably do because every two. horror book you read probably made you turn on the lights and place all the three Lion of King. them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember when we were reading I'm Thinking of Ending Things for this podcast. Oh. There was that bit near the end, I think, where she's just suddenly, like, repeating herself for an entire page or something like that. Yeah. Am I remembering? Yeah. That, I was reading that, like, alone in the dark on a Saturday night, and I was like, It just makes you uncomfortable, and you're like, yeah, there you go. Not going to do that Because I already live outside of, like, the world's scariest alleyway, so, like, that just didn't help things. Fair. Fair. I don't remember actually. I read Stephanie Perkins's "There's Someone Inside Your House," which has just been made a Netflix movie that I'm probably never gonna watch because I can handle horror books because it's just words, but horror movies with more visuals are not my thing. That's fair. I actually don't remember being super terrified at any point in that one because it's a little more just like sort of your traditional like slasher thing, mm. and so scary, but not necessarily Slashers, the most yeah. psychologically writing a slasher is different than actually seeing it yeah. on the screen. Exactly. And then there were some moments yeah. in taking of Jake Livingston that weren't necessarily like, I need to put this book down, I can't handle it anymore, but just kind of gory enough that I'm like, well, I was eating lunch, and now I think I have to pick one of these tasks. Honestly, <laughs> the first, the, the, the first, like, scary scene in Jake Livingston, <laughs> where he goes thing? in the house, not the spider one, but the one where he goes in the house and, or no, he's home, and it's, he wakes up in the middle of the night or something, and his, um, and there's blood written on the walls, for some reason, now that's just a sort of stereotypical, like... Haunted house type image, yeah. right? But the way in which Ryan got to that scene, I was, like, screaming. I literally, it was, like, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. I just, like, screamed and woke Rose up, who was just kind of like, what is going on? And, I'm, <laughs> and I pull out my phone and I text Ryan and I was like, good job, you know, 
word that gay men call each other that actually isn't. Okay. A word you can't repeat on the podcast. Yes, and it starts with a B, and it's five letters. Bleep. Anyway, I was like, bitch. I was like, yeah. I was like, good job. You scared the crap out of me, and it's only seven a.m. Like it was awful. Great, but awful. I sent you a pic in the children of meat fork. Okay. Oh no. Do the, do the listeners know what children of meat? It is? better not be a spider. If it's a spider, I'm just. Is it a spider? <laughs> kind of. yep, nope, not doing it. No, it's not a spider. It's a it's a Snapchat filter. <laughs> With a spider? No. A spider makeup design? Yeah, no, no, thanks. Like, no, spi- spiders and me, no, we don't do that ever, never, never, ever. Even pictures of spiders, no. <laughs> I'm a thing, I'm a thing. I, I think the, actually the only other book to really ever give me like just true terror yeah. was um, The Woman in Black. It's this tiny little book, maybe 150 pages by Susan Hill. And the thing that makes that book so terrifying is that the, the character himself, Arthur, I forget his last name, um, Weasley. <laughs> I was going to say Dimsdale, but I was like, that's Scarlet Letter. Um, but no, Arthur is this extremely, like almost pathologically um, pragmatic person. So he goes to this massive house that he's the executor for, and it's going to be a big deal in his career. He's going to be able to marry the woman of his dreams because they will actually be able to have money and and afford things and so on. And so he's going there to make this big career move for himself, even though he's kind of like, oh, the job is going to be a big one. Goes to this house, and everybody keeps telling him in the town, like, a ho ho the woman in black is there. And he's like, what are you talking about? And they, you know, they give him this sort of classic English ghost story about this woman who shows up at the funeral of children, or who shows up in town, and every time she shows up, people die. Um, Usually the people who see her. So he's like, oh, whatever. It's bizarre trying to get to this house anyway, because you can only get to it and escape from it at certain times of day because of the way that the tides rise over this tiny stretch of land Mm -hmm. between, you know, the mainland and the house. So he's going to this, he's trying to get to this house. Smack. A series of unfortunate events occur while but he's I'm at the house. And the entire time, you, the reader, are going, but before he does, you, the reader, are just like, dude, it's the woman in black. Like, come on. He refuses. Like, he does not give you any leverage. And because he's so pragmatic, he talks you out of it the entire book until the literally the very, very final, like, three we pages. We did, I we may not have it any longer. I, like, could not put the book down for one. And also I had to move yeah. from my bedroom into the most sunlit part of the house <laughs> in order to finish reading the book. And I'm like sitting there clutching this book and my grandmother walks in and says, another one, good but morning. Wrong, and I, that like, would be also a good one. And I like screamed and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm reading a book. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and walks off, but yeah. So that that was, a, that was a scary one. I'm really struggling to think of, oh, you. No, I was actually gonna steer it away, but there you go. Oh no, uh, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever had that reaction to like a, a horror book. There's Again, my knowledge of horror was like, I didn't think I'd read much horror. Until you, oh, Stephen King. I'm like, yes, I've read a lot of Stephen King, but it's more the crazy, fantastic elements. Um, I'm not, you know, the Dark Tower. Dark Tower is kind of that rarity in his world, which is more fantasy than horror. Well, yeah, because he wanted to do Lord of the Rings. And it's... Never really thought about it like that, but... (laughs) To a a degree, I think he might have succeeded in creating something on par with Lord of the Rings in grand epic scale. Um... He was also really inspired by Lord of the Rings in making The Stand, which is kind of a... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah really? It was it. I mean, maybe maybe that was like his proto-attempt at like a full-on Tolkien-esque hmm. fantasy series. I don't know. That's but, interesting. I didn't yeah. know. And then maybe he fulfilled that with The Dark Tower. I don't know. I haven't read The Dark Tower, so... Hmm. You had a different topic, Grant? Yeah. No, well, I, actually, it was a question for Aaron. Yes. I was listening this one? through some past episodes. That's the one. I believe you mentioned that you read House of Leaves. A, for a little bit. Would you would you consider that a horror novel? And B, was it spooky? Because I've always spooky, wanted to read it. spooky. Yes. Um, 
I consider it more of a psychological, like, horror than I do, like, something that's crazy, like, slasher or, like, Stephen King-esque. Um, in terms of the fact that all of these pages at one point, like, just have the, like, weirdest stuff all over them. And I'm not just saying this is, like, if you look up pages from House of Leaves, it's, like, your brain is going, what am I reading? How am I supposed to read this? It's like if you read, what is it, Crank? That's just me reading about NFTs today. Right. But, like... Crank? What? The prose one? I believe it's Crank. Oh, the Ellen Hopkins book? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you read that, like, it's very psychological in terms of your brain can't sit there afterwards and go, okay, let's continue reading it. I need to put this down, and I need to go, like, do something else for, like, an hour and then come back to it. Yeah, that's true. Um, House of Leaves is very similar in that aspect, especially when you finally get into the deep dive. And if you're going to read it, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. So, therefore, I can't say anything. Did you know House of Leaves is one of publishing's biggest failures? Really? Yeah, they paid such an enormous amount of money for that book and did not get anywhere near their return for it that it is, like, for years after that book was published, deals were being made and they're like, don't House of Leaves it. Like, literally, like, it was... Because there's so much that's in that book. Yeah. It feels like one that has a very particular audience. Which is why it's so strange that they paid that much money for it, because it's like, you don't pay that much for a niche novel. Like, that's... It is very (laughs) much a niche novel. It is very much a psychological, I need to sit down after I read it, or at least at least a little bit of this. I need to, like, read, like, a few pages, and I need to put the bookmark in, and I need to put it down, and I need to push it across the table so I don't pick it back up. Mm. Here's a question. Are thrillers horror? Depends. Yeah, they can be. I mean, there are horror thrillers, yeah. Depends. The thing about thrillers, it, again, see, genres are so strange because you can. So you know, I gotta in the main, thrillers are are an extension of crime fiction before they're an extension of horror because. I would agree. I thought that sort of like the purest definition of horror involved that it had to have some sort of like fantastical supernatural element to it, or even just like the sort of slasher. I think that was no. more of like the orig- like the the sort of primordial. Yeah, but like I don't know if I'm calling right? Gone Girl a horror novel. No, but would you call it a psychological thriller, maybe? I'd call it a thriller. Maybe a thriller. Horror is basically an intense feeling of fear, shock, or disgust. Well, yes. And that's the whole entirety of the genre. doesn't need a fantastical element if you feel shock or disgust or... Free, like your fear hmm. or something in it, it can be technically a horror novel. Like you don't That's need fair. that fantastical element if you're sitting there That's and you're true. watching, for example, like Michael Myers run around. Like that's a slasher fic. There's not much supernatural element in mm-hmm. there. It's a guy who yeah. went to a mental institution and then got out and wanted to go back home and take out revenge on the whole entirety of his family who, as one does, put him in there. Or Shutter Island. Or Shutter Island, or, like, like, you get ugh. you get those horror movies, or, like, I guess technically American Psycho, or, like, you have things that are, like, um, Clockwork Orange, or, like... Yeah. Um, Something that I kept coming across in when they are attempting to explain horror is that there's a relational aspect to it. Yeah. That you have to relate to it. Um, and... <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's why I can't relate to that many movies because I've never been trapped in a dingy bathroom. I think it's told I mean, you I have ten think, minutes to find a key. I think it's a little. I, I'll throw out something that has been obviously nailed as a horror novel because gothic no, novels are horror novels. Jane Eyre is not something that anyone ever goes into thinking like, oh, that's going to scare the crap out of me because it's Jane Eyre. Like, it isn't intended necessarily to scare people who aren't young British women whose lives hang on, young Victorian British women, whose lives hang on the word of everybody but their own intelligence. And yet, that's literally Jane's existence. And Charlotte Bronte is going like hand over fist wild trying to show you how horrifying that experience can be. Jane Austen is just showing you like we gotta have a happy ending, everything's there's shenanigans must happen, dances are cool, also women are really smart and they can marry smart wealthy men it, and have their dreams. Right. <laughs> Charlotte Bronte's like, but actually 
actually. <laughs> this is insane. Don't you see how scary this is if you're one of us? But, you know, she didn't count on people, you know. I feel like it's two sides of the same coin. Like, Jane Austen oh, well, sure. is like, I would agree. what happens when things go well for you? Yes. But also the sort of somewhat reality of, like, the Dashwood sisters at the beginning of, like, okay, we see, or, you know, mm-hmm. the Dashwoods, the Bennett's, like, okay, we see where this is going to go if things don't work out well for you. Yeah. And Jane Eyre is like, this is what happens, you know, when Elizabeth Bennett doesn't have it go well for her at the beginning. Yeah, and I think that, It also like, isn't hot. Yeah, and I think one of the things with Jane Eyre, too, is that people, because we've had so many romanticized film adaptations of that material, the one thing that they do really fast is remove the ghosts. Mm. Like, they're just like, look, we can't have that in our, you know, in this movie that we're trying to pitch to the public. Like, and I mean, this is one of the reasons that Beloved is not considered horror by horror by modern horror um, communities because well it's a slave narrative and it's like it's a ghost story literally from line one the entire first page and a half has nothing but stock standard horror like um, imagery like the two hands of a like two baby hands impressed in a cake that was about to be baked that's the image that you get, and that lets you know there's a ghost in the house. That doesn't make it you freak out. It is so haunting. Like, it really is. And, and and the ghost element of the story is so real and haunting that by the time you get 200 pages in and you actually see the scene that creates the ghost, which is this slave mother cracking the skull of her own baby against, you know, a barn post, that's less horrifying than the baby that's been haunting them the entire book. And it's like, that's... It's actually pretty scary that there's a baby haunting them. Like, thank you. I would not like to have a baby haunting me. Like, but there's a sort of like there's a sort of pee your pants factor that people want from horror these days because they don't know anything about where the genre came from. First of all, and then it's not about peeing your pants. Horror feeling feelings of horror is not necessarily about peeing your pants. There's there's a deeper chill there. So um, we don't need to be peeing our pants when we're... We don't. I've been doing it all wrong! Oh, we, so many. We, <laughs> we don't need the jump scare aspect for it to be a good horror like thing. We need, we need that subtle like, build-up so you're sitting there going, you're like... Uh, no, I, I love slow burn horror. Slow like, burn horror is like... It immerses like you in the atmosphere. Everything. And then, yeah, and I don't, I don't get the whole gatekeepy thing with genres anyways because, at least with horror... Films for me, mm-hmm. a lot of the most genuinely unsettling ones kind of tow, like like they live in the liminal spaces between horror and something else. Whatever genre that they're whatever genre that they're doing. Like, as. if I can throw out a few examples, yeah, like, yes. Um, there's a movie called Trash Humpers. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the same one as Crash? No, it's not. Um, Thank but goodness. it's directed by Harmony <laughs> Korean, who probably nowadays is most well known for directing Spring Breakers, mm, okay. um, which is not a it has, it has nothing to do with <laughs> horror. But um, a lot of title themes here, <laughs> right? <laughs> See, yes, at this point, but, now I'm just gonna look. <laughs> I know, but but with a, it, 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 it's like it's not an out and out horror movie. I don't even know if it's out and out trying to scare you, but. It's mm-hmm. filmed on like. Just looking at this, like the images that no, Google it, gives me, it, I'm already very unsettled. It's the definition of watching something that a you're not supposed to be watching, or like b it's you're What's you're watching comedy, one okay. of the, 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 the bathroom visual. Yeah. Yeah, you're watching a nightmare unfold, and like it's filmed on old VHS tapes, and oh. it, it's just. I love that. It it's it's a unique film, but. That's one of the few that, like, you, you want to take a shower after you watch it. <laughs> like, Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko's great. Oh. That, I... Okay, first of all, you all know how I feel about rabbits. <laughs> I don't know what it was about that Oh, giant, I have seen that one. It, was it a pink bunny Which suit? One? Donnie Darko. Was it, it pink? It, no, it wasn't pink. It was not it was pink. Like, it was, like, gray. Yeah. It was, it was like a goth. Like, it was just, just the giant bunny suit. The bunny suit. Freaked me out for the, like, bluish gray weeks. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was ugh. It was horrible. I yeah, I oh yeah, that movie was unsettling. And if you hate rabbits, don't uh don't watch Inland Empire. <laughs> which is another movie that I was gonna bring up. Good thank you. Because there's some people 
never explained, never never brought up again, but there's some people, there's like anthropomorphic bunny people. Oh, and it's, um, it's that's an image. It's glorious. Can so. you watch Zootopia? Yeah, that is that is an image. But you know what? Actually, so this reminds this this my biggest existential horror didn't come from cars, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, but you've told me about that. You just that's another episode. That's an entire episode. I really think you all. Yeah, we we can go there later. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? A fan theory episode. Like, mm. like how every Pixar oh. movie takes place in the same universe. Oh, that could be really fun. Cars. <laughs> we just need that episode so Jack Cars is my cars. greatest existential horror, and that is not the entire. <laughs> you know, I, that is there's something in there. Um, I, but you know, there. One of the things that I love and hate about American Horror Story. Oh, is, we're, we're jumping is, in there. Ex- huh? Is exactly this thing. American Horror Story says the public views horror this way. Let's give it to them in fistfuls. And I just, after season three, was like, I'm done. I'm yeah. tired. Like, you've got great actors doing great work, returning to the screen, doing amazing things on screen. But in terms of narrative, now, season two was horrifying. Like, Asylum, there are episodes I refuse to watch again because I'm like, Discord. No. Sir, like it just was. It Asylum went, was kind of wild. Asylum went there, which just, was great. Because Ryan Murphy has ever been known for his restraint. Yeah, no, no, I know exactly. <laughs> but I feel like one of the, the the biggest problem with American Horror Story is like if they did the same thing with American Fantasy Story. Like it's just like you are feeding people fist loads of dragons and wizards and castles, and you think that this is quality, and it's not. But because the public keeps begging for it, the only or the sharpest definition of horror that is existing right now is this jump scary crap that's actually crap. <laughs> and it makes me angry because I keep watching it. No, exactly. And people keep paying for it. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, uh, it's, yeah. So, you know. I, I, I brought it up on the, on the uh, other, other spooky episode. But I think there, I think that is, yes, I think there is an increasingly popular strain of art, like I don't want to say art house horror, but just like adventurous horror that that is tr- is breaking away with away from that. Um, yeah, and, like would you consider the lighthouse a part of that? Oh yeah, yeah, I love the lighthouse. Okay, I need um, to watch that. The lighthouse and the witch, which is his earlier oh, that, movie, yeah, that also was it's also yeah. great. And Midsummer is probably part of that too, right? In a way, yeah, or? De- oh. That's, I was going to talk about Ari Aster, who made uh, Midsummer and uh, Midsummer and Hereditary, which is that's a that that's a movie that got under my skin. Oh, um, okay, I might watch and, all of them. And that was pretty successful. So yeah, true. Um, okay, there's hope. There's always yes, hope. Well, unfortunately, any, in fiction, any religious movie like um, oh yeah, we talked about <laughs> like particularly with with a Catholic leading. I was raised Catholic, so things like stigmata messes with me. You go a little bit farther <laughs> back, I mean, The Exorcist, that messes. That, that messes with you just... The power of growing up Protestant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't even, I didn't even grow up Catholic, but still. Oh, that's The elements funny. in that series. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually thought you said uh, Gothica, not stigmata. No. Okay. Actually, I've never seen that. Um, is it good? No, it's not. Honestly, honestly, though, what I really, really want to do, and someone can steal this idea if they would like, I still might do it anyway because my version will be different. I really want to write a dark academia out of Bible College because I just want to scare the... I want, like, deep Protestant version cult out of Bible College set in the 90s. I just, I think there's something about that vibe that I'm like, oh, that's there's cool. A, oh, I that's the vibe know. that you were talking, ooh, I yes. want that. I just don't know how to make it work because horror confuses my brain. <laughs> I'm like, how do you scare people? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how do you form a demon called at a Bible college? What, somebody finds I, an old book and they start experimenting. We'll call it the or death of the Ouija board. Or Ouija board. Yeah, Ouija board. Yeah, that would Ouija work. boards are fantastic. That's true. They don't think they're going to find it. No, they should have like a potential loses it. their Ouija board. Ooh, they they oh, don't think oh. that they're going to randomly summon a demon. Plotline. Got it. You're welcome. Thank you. We need to pick a, like, a, I think next year we need to pick like a horror movie like, and we pass it around. Everyone watches it. 
Everyone just watches it. On I'm going to be sick that day. Grant has to choose it though, because I the rest of us would choose not. I'm going to be sick quite that as week. good. <laughs> I, I feel like by virtue of my 80s up, you know, growing up in the 80s, a lot of the horror films that I do kind of like enjoy watching, but I don't get scared by them. That's a weird thing. Mm. But we'll have something to do with camp. That they're camp, yeah. Yeah, camp related. Oh, Summer sure. camp related. And yeah. it's not always a Friday the 13th kind of thing, although I do, I was raised on those and I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the NES game, Friday the 13th, um, was, it was atrocious, but it was terrifying. When Jason would come on screen, scream. Just, it would, yeah. Um, but no, like, Sleepaway Camp, that's that's a movie that no. torments me. Like, in a good way. But like, that I'm not even. The game Horror gets someone gets tortured, they plug in a hot curling iron and then cover someone's face Whoa. with a pillow and then apply oh, curling iron to body. And it just... What? I don't like being near curling irons. That's awful. See, now that... That's horror. <laughs> like, because think about how average the curling iron is. So, Salman Rushdie talked about this, <laughs> about how brilliant the invention of the witch was in like pre-industrial societies because if you have this woman living on her own in the woods think about what the witch's like toolkit is a broom a cauldron which is basically a pot to cook your food in you know you got cats because you probably have rats um, you know, all of these sort of stock standard things are stuff that you would need in a pre-industrial home mm-hmm. to not die. But if you're a woman living alone in the woods, you can convince everyone that that, you know, that she's a witch fairly easily and have a reason but, to... Yeah, especially because she's living alone. So that means no husband, no children, yep. no family. No alibi. Yep. No alibi. Yeah, yes. And no reason to trust her. She is exactly. not the woman in the home yeah. taking care of things, mm-hmm. the domestic angel of the period. Yep. Despite how all of the things that make her a witch are actually domestication. Yeah, like when your <laughs> wife is using that. Right, yes. That's fine. Yes. yes. But when she is, when a woman's taking care of herself with them and nobody else, right. that's witchcraft. But think of how long witches have haunted the pages of fiction, the screens of movies. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like, like there's that's like a so real reclamation going on of like oh, witchcraft, yeah. and which is like literally the whole book display I have made upstairs right now. <laughs> it's true. And that's not even half of them. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't afford half the book. Like, if I bought every book about witches that's coming out right now, we'd have no money for anything else. It's insane. Yeah, there's a revival. Yeah, there, there's a movie called Antichrist where um, the lead the lead female alongside... Jeez, uh, 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 what's his name? 2009. He's, he's in the lighthouse, yes. Oh, uh, Pattinson? No, not Pattinson. Oh, no, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. How could I forget his name? Love he's him. one of my absolute He's favorites. a horror <laughs> movie. He's a horror person <laughs> and without without spoiling the movie um basically i think like towards the end she kind of embodies some witch-like ideals maybe but the way the way that the movie tackles it it kind of looks at the I- idea of the witch as like a yeah. super ancient way to justify hatred of men, like hatred of women mm-hmm. how it perpetuates into like to this day and there's a v- really great shot towards the end where where Willem Dafoe is walking away from this place, and it, it just pulls out, and you see all these like it's like a surreal, dreamlike moment. It's not actually happening, but you just see the entire earth is like filled with these bodies of like persecuted <laughs> women, and that's kind of like when the whole theme comes around. And but I, I, okay. that, that, so is this the movie you're gonna make us watch? <laughs> uh, that's genius. We could save it next year. We'll watch it. That's I'll start okay. mentally preparing I myself now. I had another now. thought that I wanted to dive into, but we only have like literally two minutes left, so I'm just gonna make it quick and maybe we percolate it and it's come back to it in the out. future. Okay, you're gonna lose hours this week, but that's fine. What? We can't clock out early or we lose hours. I clocked out two minutes early. Yeah, but it's gonna try to default you back to like 5.45. That's interesting. Okay, carry on. Anyways, I'm also just interested in like the idea of like reclamation and what makes horror horror and all this kind of thing. I was thinking about this because recently somebody asked me for movies that were spooky but not super spooky. Just had like good autumnal Halloween oh, vibes yeah. that were not going to terrify you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I and I gave them Twilight. And I feel like Bella's yeah. a person who rejects the idea that she actually lives in a horror movie. Like, Bella's <laughs> what happens when <laughs> yeah. you refuse to buy it. Like, 
Edward is literally over here going like, this I am terrifying. And Bella's like, no, you're not. And somehow that oh becomes true. That but explains like, New Moon so much better than anything else could. That's brilliant. But like, I want, but just like, is there anybody who's doing that on purpose? Because I feel like that was not necessarily on purpose. And yeah, but if you asked her in an interview, she probably would tell you that it was. Um, like, I just where I guess you know. What happens when somebody who's in a horror movie decides that they're not going to participate by the rules? I guess is my sort of broader Ooh, genre. That's when it becomes question. a horror comedy. Or like, I guess I've seen one YouTube parody of is the witch the one where it's styled like two V's and a W? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They did. There's a YouTube parody out there called Little Vivinen. <laughs> 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 that's rude. And it just I have what the like what the likes to live deliciously in like a very big lisp in my head from the guy <laughs> approaching the March sisters. That's... Everyone look up Little Vivin. <laughs> they also made Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party. They have a short parody called American Whoopee, which is making fun of 1920s silent films, but like it's American Pie. That's <laughs> funny. Everyone look up shipwrecked comedy. That is how I want to end this for myself today, at least. And make sure to tune in to the next podcast, especially. We have a special oh. guest with us. Yeah. We're getting spoopy with world famous. Okay. <laughs> Soon okay, will be. He just hopped the pond, so we'll see. New York Times best selling. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Ryan Douglas. Yay! Getting spoopy with Ryan. I'm excited. Great. So, what's the smack? So I have two. Thanks, Jen, for giving me the other one. You're welcome. So, uh, Jen's uh, smack is Dracula, Dr. Frankenstein, or Wolfman. Mine is Michael Myers, Leatherface, or Ghostface. I can only do Jen's. Okay, if we're going to go with Jen's, um, we're going to kill the Wolfman. We're not going to kill Dr. Frankenstein. No matter what, that's going to end up. You have to kill Dr. Frankenstein. Um, Killed? No, 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 no. Like Doctor Franken, he's misunderstood. Um, oh, how? That's, he was doctor. trying to benefit mankind. He was a man of science, and, and he a gave up on his child. The he first was thing he does? Mad. A man like, uh, Have you read the book? I mean, I haven't, but yes. But like, still, Wolfman, still, like, you could be like cuddling with him, and oh, oh, crap, the moon. Next thing you're getting like your your stomach opened up as he. Like, Trans, like that's trans why trans. I keep silver bullets by the bed. I'm gonna turn on me, boy. Or that's turn why you me. just kiss him, and then you know, I don't know. I'm gonna or silver I guess you marry Dracula. I guess you really do Actually, marry you do Dracula. Ma- you do marry Dracula. Look at the wealth. Look at the wealth. Yeah. Not just that. If you look, Lucy Hart, you'll be my sugar daddy. Lucy did nothing wrong. And if you're Lucy going for two thousands, like Dracula two thousand, the only part of that movie that's actually that glorious is the fact that Dracula's like, "Come, Keanu, with your handsome, beautiful <laughs> vibes, thou shalt join the matrix of vampire women, ready to suckle at thy teeth." You know, and it's like, I yes, exactly. A, I say I've never read a horror novel, but I have read Dracula and Frankenstein. I did. You too. have read Dracula and Frankenstein. But so. does. Dracula's not really that And scary, I was just kind of though. in love with Mina the whole time. Do we want yes. to save the other smack for next Agreed. week, Ryan? Yes. I love Dracula. We will save. Search up on you, your slashes, okay. guys. But also, you, Ryan, stop listening if you're listening to this for prayer. Figure out something that, like, Ryan personally would want to do as a smack. <laughs> oh, that's easy. Um, Make sure you clock out. I clocked out. I mean, that that's... That's too easy. It wouldn't necessarily be horry. Horror. Horror. <laughs> but it could be horror related. Actually, it could be horror related, especially if I use Jordan Peele's movies. I mean, it doesn't have to be horror related. I want it to just be something that, like, Ryan personally. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, exactly.